So we miss out. I think women really miss out on, you know, the, the different surges and just sort of the, you know, when I think of alchemy, I, lo I love the name of your podcast because mm -hmm. we're talking about the alchemy of these different interactions between sex hormones and um, adrenal hormones and neurohormones and all the interactions that they're supposed to have to keep us, you know, to, to bring us to our, our best self every day. Our fun, these are fundamentals and we rob ourselves of that opportunity. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and I am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation. My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes, you, are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all. The thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are dropping in today with Candice Birch of Your Hormone Balance. And if you didn't already listen to the first episode, it's actually been about two years since she came on the podcast. So if you are new to this space, new to the podcast, you likely have not listened to it. But she's coming back on the podcast today. And I'm so excited because we talked a lot about stress, cortisol, and the impact of the past two and a half years on your hormones and how to start finding relief and rebalancing your hormones by looking at your diet, your lifestyle, and all of the different elements that play a part in your overall hormones. It's so interesting to me because it's really not just a physical thing, right? It's mental, it's emotional. I shared within the episode, you know, right before I start menstruating, I'm always like miss doom and gloom. And it really wasn't until last year that I realized, oh, I'm about to start my period. That's why my head's all over the place. This is just a normal part of what it means to be a woman and to live within the full spectrum of my hormones and how my hormones affect my mood and my emotions and my mental state. So I find that this conversation is really just a door opener for you to realize that a lot of the things that are going on within you are such a normal part of the ways in which our hormones interact inside of the body and also when to know and what to spot out when it becomes abnormal. So we talk about everything from diet to over-exercising to the stress of being a high achiever and owning your own business. And I share quite a bit of my own experience of healing my hormones and the imbalances that I had around high testosterone levels, insulin resistance, and all that not so fun stuff that contributed to my hormonal acne and, um, as well as the different 
rises and falls in my emotional state. So I hope that this conversation just helps you to get a better picture of what could be going on inside. And I highly want to suggest, and I know I've suggested this many times before, whenever I have any type of um, doctors or health educators come on to do your own research into your own body. There's a lot of noise out there, and I think it's so important to get testing done so that you have a clearer picture of what's actually happening for you. And um, as Candice will share at the end of the episode, they have testing kits as well as guides that are customized based off of what your results share that can really help you to get your hormones back on track. And you can use the code AVA50 if you choose to go to their website, which I'll link in the show notes, take the hormonal test, and then buy one of the testing kits. Again, I highly suggest it. It will be such a mind-blowing experience for you to see what is actually happening inside of you versus just going on Instagram or going on Google, looking at what your um, your different side effects might be or different um, hormonal experiences might be in self-diagnosing. I did that for years. Don't recommend it go get testing done. (laughs) So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Candice Birch of Your Hormone Balance. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. We are doing a part two, and I feel like this is a long time coming part two because the last time we had a conversation was pre-pandemic, but I'm so excited because Candice Birch of Your Hormone Balance is on the podcast today, and whenever we have conversations around hormones, around stress, around optimizing our health, these conversations always seem to be your favorites because there's so many aha moments that come about that I think are, I would say usually things that like get up in your head and Candace, we can kind of maybe even open the conversation with this, but I feel like a lot of the hormonal imbalances that I've had and like funky things that my body has done over, has done over the years when it comes to getting off of birth control or being on birth control or hormonal acne. In a lot of ways I get up in my own head and I'm like, am I the only one dealing with this? And so I feel like conversations such as the one we'll have today are just great door openers for people to realize that like what they are experiencing is like, they're not the only one. Mm, That's for sure. Thank you for having me. Um, There's, yeah, there's a lot to chime in on. I probably have too many thoughts and opinions on all of this, but, but um, I think it's all relevant. It's been a strange couple of years. That's for sure. It's, it's still a bit strange. It's still, we're still feeling a bit stalked, I think Mm -hmm. by this virus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, pre-pandemic, we had had a conversation on hormones and I think it was about two years after I had gotten off of hormonal birth control. I think at the time my skin was starting to clear up and I was really excited. And then the pandemic hit and it really wasn't until like February, 2021, when my skin got out of control, my menstrual cycle mm-hmm. was kind of the same and, and I hadn't really changed anything at all, but I know that it was just like the compound effects of about a year being in and out of lockdowns, not knowing what was going to happen next, um, being inundated by stress. And I'm sure that like the isolation, the ups and downs of, uh, like 
legal um, lockdowns and all of those aspects played a part in it. But I'd kind of like to maybe just start with a little bit of like maybe a catch up of the role that stress and lockdowns and isolation can play in our hormones and like the stress hormones specifically and the impact that that has on our body and overall well-being. You know, I wish I'd had the, uh, I, I wish, I, actually, I shouldn't say I wish because I did test, there were a lot of people that tested with your hormone balance during COVID because it was a time of, we're in the house, we're paying attention. I, I read a great quote that I love that we, it may be a permanent snow day, but at least we have time to now pay attention to the objects of our daily neglect. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was sort of, a time to really put on the oxygen mask if you weren't too depressed and too lethargic and start saying, Hey, this is, this, I have every reason now to concentrate and focus on my health. And so a lot of people tested with us. And I have to say that what I noticed in the test results, and, you know, I should mention, we test the major hormones that have to do with the woman's reproductive cycle and her. So we, we test estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and DHEA, all of which have so much to do with the synchrony of hormone action and how uh, cortisol stress hormones impact us, because all of these hormones are like, as I always use the descriptive, um, synchronized swimmers. You know, they're working together to 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 hopefully create that perfect pedal formation, that perfect pattern. Uh, of that perfect rhythm. And of course it's never perfect, but you know, hormones should be within range. You can have different things going on, but that doesn't mean that suddenly everything should be out of whack. But during COVID people's hormones, especially their stress hormones were quite out of whack. They were, I just, and I'm saying this anecdotally, I should probably gather the data and look at everybody that, but I would tell you that I didn't see any normal cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. And I should review cortisol levels are, you know, the hormone that the adrenals make to get us up in the morning and keep us going, power us through our day, helping us take stress and stride, get that super power of energy when we were working out, when we're having to think hard and perform and, um, you know, and even just maintain calm and, and a happy outlook on life, not letting everything just implode you know, that someone looks at you wrong and you melt down or mm -hmm. someone cuts you off in traffic and it's the worst day you ever had suddenly. So these adrenals are constantly working. It's not the fight or flight adrenaline that they'll make if you're running from a forest fire, but it's the every day. There's something called the cortisol awakening response. So we should see cortisol highest in the morning. And we measure cortisol four times throughout the day because there's something called, it, it kind of maps the circadian rhythm or the diurnal curve, cortisol operates on that. It's produced in high levels in the morning. Like I said, it's our get up and go. It's pre And then it gradually drops throughout the day. So by noon, it should be a little lower, but morning and noon should be good, robust levels. So we're pumped, we're ready to go. We get out of bed, we're rested and ready for our day. And then as the evening and nighttime come on, those levels should be lower. Um, to prepare us for the calming and the deep sleep that we hope to, to achieve mm -hmm. um, every night. But what, what I was seeing was instead of the normal curve, highest to lowest levels, 
I was seeing low levels in the morning and I'm still seeing that. I mean, it's still really common to see people with low levels in the morning, much lower than they should be. And then of course, you know, they tell you, women will say, I'm dragging out of bed. I'm hitting this news alarm. I just can't get going. Um, and then pushing through their day because the levels are lowest in the morning and noon, and then either bumping along the bottom for the whole rest of the day into the night, or they start rising at night, which is a real indicator of, of adrenals not being able to manage the stress level um, instead of you know being able to calm the system and get into levels that would promote sleep and calming it, they're rising. And that has huge implications. I've So what I started to say was I saw a lot of low levels in the morning and high levels at night and high night cortisol is going to totally disrupt our sleep. You know, the sleep wake cycle is, is um, regulated by cortisol and melatonin. Mm-hmm. And what's supposed to happen is that melatonin is supposed to rise at night and cortisol is supposed to lower, get very low, and then, you know, gradually rise throughout the night until in the early morning, it's high and melatonin is low, but we're seeing the reverse. And in that case, you also see people having, so we're talking insomnia, restless sleep, anxiety. Um, We're talking about cravings and appetite disruption, because as it happens, the appetite hormones, ghrelin and leptin, operate on the sleep-wake cycle. So ghrelin, the hunger hormone that tells you you're hungry, seems to increase when we don't sleep, when our sleep-wake cycle is disrupted by stress hormones. And and, uh, um, leptin, the hormone that tells you you're full, stop eating, you're full, goes down, is depleted. So there are all kinds of ramifications of cortisol being in the reverse pattern of where it should be. And even I've even seen people with very high levels in the morning. So you think, oh, well, that's good. They have a high morning level. But then when you ask them, do you feel rested when you wake up? Are, did you get a good night's sleep? Your level looks pretty good, but are you rested? And they'll say, oh God, no, I, you know, I don't sleep more than three hours a night or four hours a night. Mm. I have to. So that's an interesting aberration of cortisol seeming to rise consistently through the night too much. So melatonin is down, cortisol's up all night long. And then by the time we get to the morning, it's really high, but that doesn't mean it's high because we had a good sleep, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So there's a lot, there was a lot of that disruption, I think. And these are the people who had disruptions in their ovulation, in their periods, in their moods, because, you know, the minute you've got stress hormones predominating and prevailing and running the show, then you've got low depleted levels of estrogen and progesterone that are trying to run the reproductive scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that determines so much it has to do with our emotional, mental, physical lives. They rule these hormones. Yeah. So that was a long answer, but that's definitely what I saw. And, and also there's some interesting studies about um, what happened during COVID with people's menstrual cycles, which we can go into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily I didn't see myself personally, a ton of differences in my menstrual cycle. It was just really interesting that I hadn't changed anything at all as far as lifestyle went and started to just experience such intense hormonal breakouts. And I had no idea 
where it was coming from. And luckily I went and got um, a blood work done to have a better picture of what was happening for me on a hormonal level, but it was very much so just such an increase in testosterone and the my adrenals being completely shot. So I'm curious, like, because we hear adrenal fatigue talked about quite a bit, is that because of the, the high levels of cortisol or the irregulation of cortisol? So let me just ask. So, so you had gone off the birth control for how long? Um, I think at the point of the pandemic, it had been about two and a half, three years at that point. You'd been off the birth control. Off birth control, yeah. But I was and, on it for 10 plus years. Right. So so then it, when you got off, did you have, um, did your, did it take you a while to get your periods back to? I think maybe two months. Oh, really? So you were yeah. one of the lucky ones. Yeah, and, I was lucky as far as menstrual cycle coming back. But I mean, mm-hmm. again, from like a, a cystic acne perspective, my face was completely inflamed. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to say, just so we don't lose the track and and I'll come back to you, but the, um, with, there have been some studies, there have been a couple of European studies of over a thousand women in 2021 who reported an overall change in their menstrual cycle during the COVID-19 pandemic. So what I thought was interesting was that there was an overall change in menstrual cycles among 46% of these women. That's nearly mm-hmm. 50% of the women that were in this study. There was a change in libido, sex drive, um, 45% mm-hmm. reporting a decreased libido and a change in premenstrual symptoms with, you know, PMS, pass me the shotgun symptoms, mm-hmm. 53% reporting yeah that and that they're cycling. So this is sort of, you know, the study goes on to say that these were not long, these weren't necessarily permanent changes. They were temporary, but, um, you know, it just goes back to the effects of stress upon the balance of hormones as they should be. And I would think in your case, the fact that you'd gone off the birth control, which can be such a good thing. There are so many I mean, I always say I was one of the first in line to get the pill when I was, you know, I was your age in the 60s. So I was in line. I wanted the pill and all I did was cry and I got the worst outbreak of acne ever. And I still have acne scars to this day, which are now melding with the wrinkles. What fun. (laughs) But I mean, the minute you start having a flood of stress hormones or a disruption in ovulation, there are there's no estrogen and progesterone to counter. other hormones. And so you can see cortisol, stress hormones getting high, testosterone can get high because there's no, you're not ovulating. So you're not making progesterone or the right amount of estrogen. And those two hormones are there not only to, you know, to regulate the reproductive cycle and your menstrual, your menstrual cycles and the egg growing in the ovary and, and ovulation and all of that, but they're there to, um, you know, to govern all these, these other fundamentals. And if they're not there to counter stress hormones, then those can prevail as can testosterone, especially if there's a lot of stress going on in your life and stress, you know, I always say, well, there's good stress. There's great career success. I saw that you hit a a really good landmark with your, with your podcast. I saw on Instagram, congratulations, six figures. But I mean, great career success. And, you know, when you're in high performance 
world. And um, I mean, I don't know, I'd be curious to know what was happening with you when your skin broke out. It, there's also mm-hmm. this overtraining and over-exercising among women, yeah. who, which can be a real issue because that can cause, you know, it's good to train. We want to lift weights. We absolutely need to, to increase testosterone levels naturally, the anabolic lean muscle building aspect of testosterone, the bone building, the strength and stamina building, the libido. We want testosterone. We just don't want too much of it. So I, if you put together a combination of stressors, good or bad, and um, and over overtraining, perhaps um, that can cause an outbreak of of acne, the sort that you had. I, would you say there was anything like that going on? Oh, for sure. I think one around the time that it started happening, I found out that. Um, my ex and I were going to have to move out of our um, house that I absolutely adored in San Diego. And it was like my favorite dream house, loved it so much. And we were going to have Mm. to move out of it. So, and we only had like four months to find another place that would match up to the caliber of like love that I had for that house. And, um, and so there was that going on. And then, you know, as you mentioned, it's like being high performer, high achiever. There's always that like wanting to do more, create more and, um, striving for that next level. So that's always been like a, a little stressor of good and bad stress in my life. And then, On top of that, I started working out at a 45 and this was actually something that I wanted to talk to you about today because I have a lot of girlfriends that push themselves really, really hard in the fitness space and I see them working out every single day doing like hardcore workouts And I know for myself, when I started going to F45 to do the HIIT workouts about four times a week, I not my, I mean, my body was strong, but my skin was breaking out and I was actually holding on to way more weight than I ever had before. And I remember, cause usually I would go and do a workout around like 1030 or noon. And I remember there was one night that I decided to do like a five o'clock workout and I could not fall asleep. I had not felt that anxious or like that, like tired and wired in years. And so I think that that is something that I'm starting to see more people talk about in, in the hormonal space and in the, in the fitness space of just the importance of balance when it comes to working out and, and how the overexerting yourself isn't actually the healthiest way for you to achieve your goals. Yeah. I mean that there's some really good information coming out about that. Um, I did want to circle back a bit to um, your question about adrenal fatigue, because Mm -hmm. what happens is, you know, a lot of people that will test and see that their levels are, are low um, when they should be high and high when they should be low are thinking, well, gosh, I I thought my levels would be, all of them would be out of, you know, off the charts because I've got so much stress Mm -hmm. and I work out so much. And yet what happens is that, yes, the adrenals, think of them as little bellows. They'll pump and pump and pump for you to put, you know, to power you through a workout. But after a while, after some time, if you put on top of that, what you just described, working really hard, achieving, you know, uh, some, some real success in your career, moving is number one or two after death and divorce on the Holmes Rahi stress index. Um, you've got, you know, you had some major things going on. 
And really over time, the adrenals can't, they, they don't, they, they go into overdrive. So they're, so that's where you see people that have high, too high levels. They're too high all the time, especially at night throughout the day. And then after a while, those same people, if they keep it up without any alteration in their habits, aren't going to get the same results. The adrenals start to flag. They start to become taxed. So they're first in overdrive, pumping, pumping, pumping. And then after a while, they can't meet the demand. And so they start to underperform. And there are, you know, that's the famous phrase, adrenal fatigue. When I was director of education at ZRT, the hormone testing lab that we use, um, I was great friends, Dr. Uh, James, um, Oh my God, now I'm forgetting his last name. <laughs> how can I say, how, well, how can I do that? I, I, he wrote the book on adrenal fatigue. He defined it. Um, and I'm having one of those menopausal moments. My God, I'm embarrassed. Well, anyway, um, he wrote the book, the Adrenal Fatigue, the 21st Century Syndrome. And he defined the term as adrenals that cannot keep up the pace at, at a certain point anymore. And that's when they start to flag and that's when levels start to get low and you start to feel fatigued. So your adrenals aren't performing, you're not performing, you know, they burn out, we burn out. Now burnout is yeah. pretty, pretty dire, but people that have sort of adrenal exhaustion are those people that are working out six days a week. They're trying desperately to stay trim, to stay lean, to stay pumped. They're also usually in the age group where they're working full-time or they have mm -hmm. children. They've got, maybe they're entrepreneurs. So many young women I talk to like you are entrepreneurs. They're doing, you know, ever since the recession in 2008, everybody's been living in the gig, men, in the gig um, environment where, mm -hmm. you know, I think people would prefer making their own way, but it's hard. You don't get health yeah. insurance. And so you have this ambient background stress what am I going to do about my health? What if I get sick? What if, um, you know, what if COVID gets me? What if I can't get my job back after, you know, all this ambient stress that's been in the background all through COVID has just been undermining us all along. And if you put on top of that too much of the over of the working out, you're creating imbalances that are hard to recover from. Um, you know, there's also a lot of too much coffee drinking, too much computer screen at bedtime, which disrupts melatonin just because we're always on, we're always plugged in. Um, we were so used to being crazy busy before the pandemic, which a phrase I didn't really like or find admirable. I don't think that that's a great way to you know, that shouldn't be the goal to be crazy busy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think what you were describing is, you know, and your friends that are working out, I, I was on a podcast with Gabby Reese, who was a professional volleyball player and her mm -hmm. husband is Laird Hamilton, the big um, surfboard guy. And they're both incredibly fit people in their fifties. And she was telling me though, when she was training professionally, at least 50% of the women she trained with weren't getting their periods. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is just another example of the kinds of stressors that we subject ourselves to unknowingly or unwittingly, or maybe we're willfully blind, you know, we're just yeah. trying to, and, and I think one of the really important things to, to be aware of these days, and it's good, really important news, this, this, um, I don't know if you've interviewed Alyssa Vitti, who wrote woman code or mm -hmm. in the flow. 
you really should try to get an interview with her because she has she has broken the the um you know she's done some groundbreaking uh research into what women really should be doing in terms of working out um in terms of exercising in terms of nutrition in terms of you know behavior that you've heard about it it's called cycle syncing So she trademarked this idea that there is a circadian rhythm that runs our energy levels, but there's also an infradian rhythm that has to do with women's hormonal cycles. And when you think about so many of the studies that have been done on exercise and fitness and workouts and how intense they should be and how much we should work out have been done with men. Because women are really, we're, we're problematic. You know, we have periods, we get pregnant, we, we, we aren't regular, we, we can't be um, predictable. So many of these studies are done with, on men and, and many of the workouts are designed around the male, the male model. Mm-hmm. When really for women, we should be looking more at where we are in our cycle and what sorts of exercise we should be doing in our cycle. What should we be eating during different phases of our cycle? You know, just sinking in with our own natural biorhythms, which are so very different from men. So for, let's say a woman who's in her luteal phase um, after ovulation and progesterone is peaking, it's going to either determine if we have a period or if we're going to feather the nest for a pregnancy because there's been a fertilized egg. If there is no fertilized egg, you shed the lining and we're on to our our next menstrual cycle. And at that time, we don't want to be out there doing high intensity interval training. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be out jogging five days a week during that part of our cycle. We want to actually be doing things that are more that are more stress releasing that like yoga or swimming or just, you know, having an evening stroll, not, not that it's a good, bad thing to exercise during our period or during any phase of our cycle. Strength training is always good to, you know, in moderation, Um, but overdoing it in high intensity, spinning, cycling, doing all of this every day is, is really very depleting, especially for women at different phases in our cycle. I really recommend the book In the Flow by Alyssa mm-hmm. Vitti, which goes into the different cycles. The, you know, the menstrual cycle, we start with, in our cycle, we start with the menstruation. So the menstrual cycle, then we move into the follicular cycle where estrogen and testosterone are rising and growing that egg in the womb. And then we go to the ovulatory phase and the luteal phase after ovulation. And each of those phases is really very important for women physically, emotionally, and mentally. And to get in line with that and to get on board with that is really the way we should be exercising. Yeah. This and, and the body will hang on to fat because if we're out there pumping iron every day or you know overdoing it, overtraining, and then also all the other stuff we've got going on in our lives, um, when, when are we resting? When are we giving our adrenals a chance to recharge and rest? And it becomes sort of a, for the body and its wisdom, it becomes a survival response. I'm going to hang on to this belly fat here. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to store some fat right there in the belly because that's an easy place to add some fuel. 
what are the adrenals there for? They're there to fuel the body and the brain with the glucose that derives from the foods we eat. So, you know, the body will, in its wisdom, say, wow, I don't know what stress she's under, but it looks bad. So we're going to pack on a little extra adipose tissue here so we can release it easily if there's a, you know, a forest fire. And we're going to hang on to it as long as this stress continues. Yeah. So yeah. I tried in a long answer there to, to touch on some of these points that you were bringing up. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's fascinating as well. Like, like you said, like not only physically, but like mentally and emotionally too. And I've started, I think maybe about a year ago, I would start to notice my mind get like, just go to like really dark places of just like mm-hmm. questioning myself and, and just feeling like self-pity and wanting to burn everything to the ground and move to Mexico. And, and <laughs> then, and then I'd be like That's laying funny, on the ground, but- you know, I'd be laying on the ground in my office And then I'd be like, wait, let me check my natural cycles app to see where I'm at. And it would be like, oh, I'm getting my period in like 48 hours. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. And so there's the emotional and mental aspect of it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's so wonderful and encouraging that we have these wonderful apps now. Thank God for technology in so many ways. It, It serves its purpose. If we can just manage to not get so submerged in it that we can't unplug. I remember when I was in this, you know, and when I was a, a hippie girl, it was tune, what was it? Tune out and unplug and all of that. It was yeah. live here now. Oh, and I, think- I, I was just watching Michael Pollan's documentary last night on Netflix is how to change your mind. And it's, I think, tune in something tune, drop out, right? Yeah. Tune drop out, tune in, drop out and unplug or something like that was kind of our mantra. I think we yeah. need that mantra again. Yeah, I, I, sh- I would love to watch that documentary. But um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, back in the 60s, what a revelation it was for women like me to be able to live with my boyfriend at college and not worry about getting pregnant and hell be, you know, we did, did we care that our moods were terrible and that I was crying and that I had acne? Well, I sort of, I, I did care, but it was worth it to me to be able to, you know, to, to be able to not worry about getting pregnant. I would have been the worst mother if I'd gotten pregnant in my twenties. I can't imagine as it happened, I ended up getting pregnant in my forties with a very, in a very solid relationship. So I had my first daughter at 37 and my second at 41. So I really wasn't, I was using that family planning. And now we've got a complete turnaround. We can track our cycles. Like you said, you could tune in, find out what part of your cycle you were in and then say, ah, okay, at least this makes sense. So that's number one. You don't feel like you're out of your head crazy, right? Yeah. Like so many people are told, oh, it's all in your head. You know, no, it's all in your cycles. Yeah. And to, and to, and to tune into those and to know what they are and to, you know, to get to the place where you realize, oh, that's where I'm at. And I need to eat. I'm about to have my period. I need to be eating iron rich, warming foods, stews, and good proteins and good fats. And I need to be kind of taking it easy and pulling back and just resting and relaxing and reading and taking an evening stroll. And I need to be, and I feel you feel suddenly justified in doing all of these things. You don't have to feel guilty for self-care. I think that's one of the most important things. And then also you don't have to use hormonal birth control, which is such a disruptor 
of our hormones. And you said you were on hormones for probably a synthetic birth control. Yeah. For, I think from like 15 on up until like 25, 26. And when you went, and do you know how common that story is? I have talked to women that started at 15 and are still using birth control at 45 because they're afraid they're going to get acne. Mm, yeah. <laughs> or they're okay, you know, or they, or they didn't ever want to get pregnant or whatever the issue, but they have a myriad hormonal symptoms of, you know, symptoms of hormonal imbalance and have never that they've never been able to get a handle on and not realizing that hormonal birth control is it it is just first of all it suppresses ovulation it stops all the natural production of the hormones that our bodies were meant to produce. And so we miss out. I think women really miss out on, you know, the, the different surges and just sort of the, you know, when I think of alchemy, I, lo I love the name of your podcast because we're talking about the alchemy of these different interactions between sex hormones and, um, adrenal hormones and neurohormones and all the interactions that they're supposed to have to keep us, you know, to, to bring us to our, our best self every day, our fun, these are fundamentals. And we rob ourselves of that opportunity. And there are still women out there that don't want to have a period. You know, they'd rather be on birth control because they don't want to deal with the period or they don't, you know, it's, it's just such a loss really, because that is so much of, who we are and what we're meant to be. We're the protector of the species. We don't have a, we don't have a connection to our, to our intuition, our own guiding voice. We, we tend to listen, you know, once we're on something like a birth control pill for 15 years, we're listening to the doctor that says, oh, well, you know, if you have heavy periods or acne or mood swings, let's just put you on the pill whether you're sexually active or not. And at least 52% of women on the pill are not, or on hormonal birth control, don't even need it for contraception. Yeah. They're using it because of these issues. In fact, probably that may be your story as well. I, I don't know. Yeah. But tell me, what did you do to get your, your, I'm looking listeners, I'm looking at her skin right now, Ava, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank glowing, you. gorgeous skin. What's your story there? What did you do? Yeah. So I, um, first start, well, one, I worked with, um, a doctor or naturopath that did blood work for me. So I had a very clear understanding of what hormones were imbalanced, what were too high, what were too low. I looked at my, um, micronutrients and where I needed to be, um, nourishing myself in, in better ways, as far as my diet was and started also incorporating, um, less heavy, intense workouts and more like gentle, like Pilates, um, med more meditation. I, I, I teach breath work and meditation and I was always oh, one to good. do the more arousing practices. And I yeah. love the more arousing practices, but once I started getting clear on my, on all the different levels, I was like, all right, well, this is going to be a time of me just doing all the really gentle practices that are going to activate my parasympathetic um, nervous system instead of a sympathetic arousal. And I mean, it took, I would say about nine months and chemical peels as well to start clearing up my skin. But 
the consistency of like continuing to make those lifestyle changes, I think made the biggest difference. And, and also just like having clarity on what was actually happening. Like I, I got rid of gluten for maybe two years and then I did an allergy test and then did another, the allergy test that I didn't have a gluten intolerance. And I was like, why did I, why did I kick these things out of my life? I love cookies. I love pasta. And then when I did my blood work, I realized I have an insulin resistance. And so that was, and so then understanding how adding healthy fats and proteins to my diet would be the, would be a substitute to help my insulin resistance was such a game changer for me so that I didn't have to, um, cut carbs and, and, um, gluten out of my life completely, but could just work a little bit smarter with the things that I was putting into my body. Yes. I mean, that is a really important aspect of talking about the, the acne breakup that you had and that being symptomatic. If you had, if you had this, the, um, cystic acne, I would imagine that you also probably were feeling edgy and irritable and just overwrought, um, in general, you know, you may have had excess facial hair, body hair. I don't know. Um, I still do sometimes though. (laughs) I'm like, I'll like look in the, in my mirror and my, in my car and I'll open it up. I'm like, Whoa, where did all those chin hairs come from? That's embarrassing. (laughs) Well, that's, that's all, you know, the high testosterone, but it's important. And and hopefully your testosterone is not that high or you'd have a forest there and and your skin (laughs) would be broken out and you would be probably a a lot more (laughs) Uh, short fused in general. Um, and also women that are too high in testosterone get, you know, when they're working out, they get too thick, too muscly. They may not mm-hmm. like that look, Yeah. but what's important to understand, this is huge. You were just saying you love cookies, you love carbs. I mean, don't we all, but unfortunately, one of the big issues around that is that the more, you know, if you look back over, over time, the way you were raised, the way you ate, you know, what was normal for you, if it was a high carb diet, high carb, meaning we're talking mostly about the highly processed carbs, the simple carbs, the pasta, the pie, the cookies, the white flour products. Um, and you know, the gluten, the high gluten that was added to our foods back when we were trying to feed the world, gluten was added Um, there was a food pyramid that came out of the government. It wasn't even created by nutritionists, which said we should be eating nine servings of grain every day. (laughs) So, you know, grain was the biggest, the bottom of the pyramid. So eat nine servings of grain. People were eating tons of grains with with like 30 to 50% more gluten. Add that into the, you know, the suddenly we had a fat-free explosion so we could eat all the cookies we wanted because they were fat-free. We could eat, you know, everything was fat-free and yet people were getting fatter and people were getting more and more hormonal imbalances and leading to things like insulin resistance. And I don't think everybody understands what insulin resistance is, but, but it is that, you know, insulin is, is the hormone that the body triggers whenever there's too much blood sugar, too much glucose in the system usually from a high intake of these kinds of foods that we're talking about. And what happens, which is pretty fascinating, is that when insulin starts to remain high, because like I was talking about the adrenals, they can't keep up anymore. And now with insulin, it starts to be unable to control 
and regulate all of this blood sugar. So, you know, there's too much glucose that the insulin tries to put it in the muscle cells, the muscle cells say, well, hey, we've got too much. It's like the pizza guy keep that would keep delivering pizza to your door, even though he's already delivered it and he keeps trying to deliver more. And you're saying, no, no, no. Think of that as the cells saying we're done. We have enough glucose. We don't need any more. Close the door, lock it. And where does that sugar go? Well, it goes into the system and it stays high. And then insulin comes out trying to deal with it. Over time, we become insulin resistant because the cells are no longer accepting insulin. Insulin remains high. And the upshot of that hormonally is that too much insulin actually causes the ovaries to overproduce testosterone. Mm. And so, so instead of creating a nice balanced measure of estrogen in the follicular phase and progesterone in the luteal phase, now we don't have the right balance of hormones being produced at the right times. We've just got a lot of testosterone being produced. So this can affect, you know, the development of an egg in the ovary, perhaps instead of developing a nice egg, we're developing lots of cysts in the ovaries. And we know mm -hmm. about polycystic ovarian syndrome. So many people that have that, and I think it's a good 20% of women of reproductive age now have are insulin resistant. So it can be this history of poor diet, you know, the sad diet, standard American diet that was so heavy on carbs. You know, unwittingly, we're told by the USDA we should be eating nine servings of grains. What, you know, we're doing what we've been, we're thinking we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I'm not bad mouthing grains. Generally, when we're talking about grains that have, you know, whole, whole grains, um, there's so many nice uh, ways to get your grains that have, that are replete with all kinds of vitamins and minerals and things that our bodies need, but we don't need the process form, or we are going to have an upsurge in these imbalances. And I think you might've been victimized by that yourself. It sounds like oh, yeah. pretty mm -hmm. relevant to your story. I come from Italians and Austrians. So yes, I know a thing or two about grains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An almond mandel cake. Of course, mm -hmm. <laughs> probably the yeah. Austrians are very good at making some of the most. Gosh, I remember going to Austria when I was on a bike trip in the 70s and they had the most beautiful candy, you know, the, the, their candy stores. Mm -hmm. The whole store is devoted to, I shouldn't call it candy, like gourmet sweets yeah. of every yeah. sort. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you came, you came by it honestly, as do so many people. I mean, who, who on earth knows that if you have too much insulin in your system, that your cells are going to become resistant to it. And that at the same time, your hormones are going to start churning out androgens that are going to cause ma male like, uh, symptoms, too much hair, too much, um, too much skin eruption, too much yeah. aggression. All is of there that. a way, is there like, once you're insulin resistant, are you, is that just how you are or is there a way to kind of retroactively heal the effects of that 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 style of diet as well as the stress on top of it so i feel like well, so many people that i talk to are experiencing some form of this yeah and it, you know i think you may have the the key to that process because you you did this for yourself um, but women who have PCOS, these polycystic ovarian syndrome, and this, the symptoms we're talking about, 
symptoms like what you're talking about and all kinds of imbalances can turn that around by, um, I mean, you, you know, you need, first of all, you, if you're on birth control, you need to probably get off so that your ovulation is not disrupted so that you can start to make some estrogen and progesterone as they should be made so that they can be there to counter and balance the amount of testosterone. I mean, women need testosterone. We don't need as much as men. Men have 10 times the amount of testosterone that women do, but we need it for our bone density, for our muscle strength. It's so involved in our metabolic rate, you know, how efficiently we burn calories. It, you know, women think of the, you think of sex drive, but it's not just about sex drive. It's yes, it is a big, big connection to libido, but also our ambition, our motivation, our, our, even our cognition, how well we focus and can concentrate and our brain power, that's all linked to testosterone. So it's a good thing, just has to be in the right amounts. And mm -hmm. the way we want to get it into the right amount is by changing the diet, obviously, you know, eat fiber, lots of, there's where you get good whole grains that can give you the fiber you need that helps your body metabolize hormones. Because that's another thing, hormones have to be metabolized. And if they re, if they're not metabolized properly, down the proper pathways and then processed by the liver, they tend to recirculate mm -hmm. and build up in the body and create all these symptoms that we're talking about. They keep coming back and, you know, it's like the this vicious cycle. So obviously changing the diet is numero uno. It's, and then there are these wonderful, there are really good supplements that one needs to take. Um, there's zinc, which inhibits the uh, conversion of testosterone into something that is much a more potent form of testosterone called DHT, which can cause worse acne and hair growth and hair loss on the head. So zinc is really important to have in, you know, in the mineral makeup of our macronutrients. That's just one of those important things that you don't want to be deficient in. Um, you also need B vitamins to help your body make progesterone B vitamins, big time. People don't take enough B vitamins, or maybe we don't get enough in our foods. You've got to eat lots of green, dark green leafies and get some nutritional yeast is a fantastic way to get enough B vitamins. And then there's myo inositol, which is a really important substance that has been shown to help. Uh, to reduce uh, anabolic androgen levels and has been used as a natural approach to, to curbing these levels instead of the spironolactone that is a drug that so many women are put on mm -hmm. to deal with these problems. And really, how long can you take a drug like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's that. It's also, we were just talking, we were talking about over-exercise I'm sure it was tough. You know, a lot of women say they, they love their strength training. They love lifting. They, they want to keep doing it, but they start to notice, as I suspect you did, that they are, they have less and less tolerance for exercise. They start to dread going to the gym. They start to feel exhausted after a workout instead of rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even, even maybe really sore, sore muscles that don't, that don't go away, you know, just this aches and pains, then you know that you're, you know, you're definitely overworking. And, and I think any woman that gets, gets, um, gets hip to her hormone cycles is going to see that there are better times for that kind of workout, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, that's when your 
estrogen and testosterone are up and you've got more energy and you, you know, you're ready to, to really work out. And then those other phases of the cycle, cool it and dial back and do the, as you were talking, yoga, Pilates, swimming, the kinds of exercises that release tension from the body. So it's diet, it's exercise, it's, and it's just, you know, that gets heavy. It gets into your relationship with food, your relationship with exercise the way you live your life, you know, are you, are you deciding that, you know, you'll rest, you'll relax and rest when you're older, but now you're going to, you're going to just overdo it every, you know, that you're just burning the candle at both ends. Can't, can't function that way for too long because that's when we start to get sick. You know, the adrenals also have to, um, they have to play the major role in hormone production for women in menopause and women on birth control, because the birth control has put you in a state of almost menopause where you're not making estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. So the adrenals have to pick up the slack and try. So now they've got to regulate blood sugar and insulin. They've got to regulate your sleep-wake cycle. They've got to regulate your immune response to illness. And now they've got to pick up the slack in hormone imbalances and production. So, you know, how, how is this sustainable? Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation earlier today about all of this. And, um, my, my friend was saying, you know, like, you got to remember that this is, it's a marathon, what you're doing, not a sprint. And so mm -hmm. if you, if you ask yourself, like, what do you want life to look like? How do you want to feel 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What is like, what does that look like? Does it look like how you're living every single day? right now? And if not, what are the changes that you desire to make to how you feel and how you operate in your life right now and your business and your health and your relationships that is going to serve you in not burning out and not, you know, just getting to a point of such overwhelm and exhaustion that you want to give up. And I thought that, and that, that you was a really feel, beautiful way. And that you don't, you know, that there's a famous saying, youth is wasted on the young it, you know, it can be, you can feel just overwhelmed, stressed all the time, sort of hungry for the deeper spiritual calming stillness. And there's a nature deficit disorder. We're not getting out there enough and breathing mm -hmm. in the sun and air. There's so many things that we're not making time for when we're young, because we've got to make it in the world somehow. And that, that gets into, I love that idea of think about who are you now in your twenties? Who are you going to be in your thirties? What about when you're in your forties and fifties? And I'm in my seventies now. And, you know, having said, I had children late, it's really important to me to be vital in there. I'm still not a grandparent. So I hope you're listening, Ryan and Jesse. I'm still not <laughs> a grandparent. So I got to, I've got to be as vital and on top of things as possible. So these things still matter. Um, for me, you know, that for any woman of any age and, you know, you don't want to get to the place where you're filled with regrets because if only, you know, if only you, you had made some changes or done the research, but I really think that a lot of women your age, I'm so impressed with you all. You're doing the work, you're researching, you're reading, you're learning about your cycles. You're making sure that your life is not just a lifespan, but a health span that you're going mm -hmm. to live, you know, that the years of your life spent in health are really more important, aren't they? Than the number of years you live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 that, that is so key to everything and the choices we make now. And I think that 
education, um, knowledge. Uh, it was interesting. I looked at the word alchemy before I came on this show today. And it's interesting that the alchemists talked about their goals were to turn metal into gold as a metaphor for reaching higher spirituality. But they also were looking for a cure, an eternal, eternal youth and, mm. um, and higher health. And so it's, it's really interesting because alchemy is, we can create an alchemy in our lives. That's what we're really yeah. talking about here. Yeah. And so yeah. I think this word really applies to, to your theme. I think it's so, it, it is so many things, you know, we use the word holistic. We could use the word alchemy. We, we can make, this is a process of many things having to come together, but I think most people know, most women know what you know what they're doing that isn't healthy for them they they know when they're working out too much they know when they're on their computer too late at night or drinking too much coffee that that's why they're not sleeping or you know overdoing it with wine or training there's it's just you know it's back to that old boring thing about moderation but there's also yeah. a lot of important things we have to do we have to avoid chemicals in our foods we don't want to eat if we are meat eaters or eating dairy we, it has to be hormone free yeah. because these animals are injected with synthetic hormones. If we can get onto a natural cycles, uh, fertility tracker instead of, and get off the birth control, that is a, a really good choice. If we can change our diets, we can do all of those things. We have choices every day that we wake up. Um, we have a choice to make and, and you've done it. You're a great example. Thank you for telling your story and you know, spreading the word because it, it's a new day. It's a new dawn. We have, there's so much opportunity now to make huge changes in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like, it wasn't easy to begin and do it and start doing it all. And it's so worth it because it's Not so much easy. more, it's so much more than just like clear skin though. Right. It's a clear head. It's feeling, it's feeling confident. It's feeling, in, in my power, and, you know, all of those pieces, it's so much deeper than just what you see on the outside. So Candace, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've absolutely loved this conversation. And I think there's just so much for people to take away from it and just having greater awareness around how to show up, how to manage their stress, how their stress might be impacting them. Um, and I know that there are obviously ways for people to work with you and work with your team. So can you share where people can find you and, um, how they can just learn more about themselves and how, and the, how they can optimize their hormones. Yes. I mean, I should say that we are health educators at your hormone balance. I, I have a master's degree in health education and my whole thing was for so many years, just letting, you know, getting the information out there that there are symptoms of hormonal imbalance. Like it's not, it's never normal to have a painful, horrible period every, every month of your life. It's not normal to have the kind of PMS that makes you want to, you know, just break up with your boyfriend or get divorced every month. It's not normal to have Jekyll and Hyde moods. It's not normal to keep weight around your belly and to work out maniacally. We can, we can get to that place. But it's good to know the symptoms so that you know that it's not normal. It's good to test your hormones. We use saliva. Blood is also a standard. And I know you had your blood tested. I hope you'll test your saliva hormones someday because saliva is really um, giving a little deeper look. It's looking at um, hormones that have escaped the bloodstream because hormones are bound to a red blood cell. And they need, they're always, there's a small percentage that's always being triggered 
by the pituitary that says, hey, she's working out, let's release some testosterone. So we can capture active bioavailable levels of hormone in saliva. We sell test kits that are home collection at yourhormonebalance.com. Um, that, and we have a symptom quiz, which I think is really important for women to take the symptom quiz, which will give you, it's on our website, um, yourhormonebalance.com. Take the quiz and find out what kinds of symptoms you have that will point you in the direction of whether you are pretty likely to have a hormonal imbalance. That's the first step. In fact, if you take the quiz, I think you get 10%, you'll get 10% off on our on our packages. And then the test kits are in different, we have different packages. We have test kits that everybody tests at home because you want to test at the optimal hours of the day. You want to test morning when you wake up within the first hour and then at noon, uh, evening and bedtime so that we can get all the hormones as they should be. You test at different times in your cycle at a particular time in the cycle in the luteal phase. Um, and then test results come back in seven to 10 days. We let you know, and we have packages where you can talk to us before you test. You can talk to us and go through test results so that you can understand them better. We have a customized rebalancing guide, and I don't think anybody is doing what we're doing in that regard, saying, hey, your estrogen was high, your progesterone was low, your testosterone was high, your cortisol hormones were off. These are the things that would help you to get these things back on track. And those mm -hmm. things that are in the rebalancing guide are the alchemy. It's the yeah. lifestyle, the nutrition, the exercise, the you know, and the stress management. Yeah. So it's, it's a big package and I'd love to, to offer 50 pounds. I'm, I'm in England, so I'm saying 50 <laughs> pounds, $50 off um, any one of our packages. Uh, just use the code, could, could be say Ava 50 yeah. or... So Ava 50 Ava is perfect. 50 yeah. Is the code you could use to get $50 off. And I think it's really, you know, if this conversation resonates, I mean, you you sharing what you have shared on all of your shows, it's just, it's so important to get a handle on this and to be in control. Mm -hmm. Women are missing out. We don't need to be told by male doctors, most of them old school. I mean, there's a whole new functional medicine world, and that's fantastic, but not everybody can have access to a functional medicine yeah. doctor. Yeah. So it takes knowing your own, trusting your gut, going with your intuition, knowing which, what the symptoms of hormone imbalance are, and then doing the work that can that can reverse these imbalances. Even with PCOS, how many women are told there's no cure? Mm -hmm. That's not true. We can turn this around. So I recommend Alyssa Vitti's book, In the Flow. I recommend Jolene Brighton's book, Dr. Mm -hmm. Jolene Brighton's book, Beyond the Pill. There are uh, uh, Aviva Ram. I love her. She's written a great book called Hormone Intelligence. She's a midwife and um, an MD and a botanical medical expert. And all of these great podcasts that there are, we have a lot of resources and tools now to turn things around. So yeah. go with balance. And thank you for having me on and giving me the chance to rant. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone heads to the show notes because we'll link everything there. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, you are more than welcome. Thank you for having me. 